Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, discussing all things audiobooks with the authors that write the stories and the narrators that perform them. Brought to you by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Season 3, Episode 18 of the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast. Today, I am chatting with author Thora Woods. Welcome to the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, Pearl. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Oh, no, I'm excited to talk to you and get to know you better. Your stuff has been kind of running around in my feeds here and there. And <laughs> and, and you're going to be attending the Allure um, audiobook convention in September. So I'm going to get to yep. like hug on you and stuff like that and say, oh, my God, Yay. Uh, fun stuff then. <laughs> but why don't we start with having you tell us a little bit about yourself, how long you've been writing and how you got started? Um, so I've been writing pretty much my whole life. Um, I was not always at like professional caliber but I did I take courses for creative writing in college where I kind of learned how to tell a story and then kind of fell off for a while and then I just had this idea in my head where I just it literally would not leave me alone and these characters just kept saying hey you need to write our story so I put it to paper and then I eventually got to the end and I was like wait a minute, there's something good here. Maybe I could do something with this. So I kind of decided to publish on a whim thinking that, you know, like I've always wanted to be an author, but Mm -hmm. uh, it always seemed like, you know, you hear the traditional publishing, you got to have an agent and the agent's got a query and you got to do this and you got to do that. And it just like, didn't really like register that that was achievable for me. But then I found out about indie publishing and self-publishing. And I was like, wait a minute, maybe I can do this. And so I kind of on a whim decided, you know what, I'm going to give this my, my honest try and do the best I can. And if it does well, it does well. If it flops, well, at least I published a book. And um, to my shock and everyone's shock, this book has taken off and is doing much better than I ever honestly expected to. And I'm still kind of reeling. <laughs> And by this book, you're talking about the lilacs and leather. Yeah, lilacs and leather and lavender and lightning. My, it's the first books I've ever written, ever published, and yeah, I love that feeling of like, you know, you kind of because you have uh, everybody has imposter syndrome. I think when it comes right. down to the creativeness of any kind part of, of like the self-publishing starter pack is they give yeah. you like here's your ace, uh, your uh, KDP account, and here's a box full of imposter syndrome. Good luck uh-huh. with that. And, and with an ins- a side of anxiety and fear uh-huh. that your stuff might get deleted. No, and then the occasional <laughs> thought of, am I an alcoholic or am I just doing like the, um, who was it? It's the, oh God, now I can't remember. It's the guy who always said, uh, write drunk, edit sober. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that a lot, <laughs> but at the same time, I'm also going, Hmm, when you first start off writing a contemporary romance and then you're, you're drinking and you're going into something else that all of a sudden you have aliens, you're going, that's not what I meant to do. Yeah. And so, yeah, but it's, how, it's how did these vampires show up? I know, right? <laughs> gin? It's the gin again. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, no, there's a lot of those little things that we all fear when it comes down to doing anything new, mm-hmm. sending, you know, out of our comfort zone. Yeah. And, and then of course, when we are providing a service for others, because I think authors, mm-hmm. it's like almost like a service, you know, kind of job you're going, anyone going to like it? 
And then you hear crickets or you hear, uh, then you hear the fandom and then someone picks it up and starts raving about it. And you're going, oh yeah, it didn't suck. <laughs> Cause yeah. of course we go there. We don't automatically say it's awesome. No, like, oh yeah, it didn't suck. <laughs> yeah. Well, I kind of did like a soft launch where I wrote the first draft of Lilacs and Leather under a completely different title. And I published it on AO3, Archive of Our Own. And I was just like, let me, let me test the waters, see what's here, you know, because I write Omegaverse and Omegaverse started in fan fiction. There's a pretty large like following of people who want those type of stories. So I was like, you know, it's an original work. It's not a fan fiction. So I'm not expecting it to get a ton of traction. And then like the hits kept coming and coming and everyone's like, oh my God, this is so good. And I'm like, I mean the internet's telling me that it's good so when has the internet ever lied absolutely (laughs) so but in this case it wasn't so we're good (laughs) no and like I honestly spent like the first six months of like really like giving this like the editing and like beta reading and all that jazz and I was like I'm mentally prepping myself I'm like you know Everyone on the internet says you don't make money on your first book. You got to have a back catalog. Got to do this. Like I'm preparing for this thing to make like $4 and two of those dollars came from my mom. So (laughs) (laughs) in my head, I'm like, this is going to be, you know, it's going to be what it's going to be. And, you know, I put, when I first got it all edited, one of the things that I did, I think it helped was I put my first five chapters up for free, get people like here, this is a taste of what we've got. And then as soon as I did that, pre-order started going up and then I'm like, oh, this is actually happening. Mm. And, and then it launched. And then I remember because my, my in-laws were in town at the time and I'm thinking, you know, no big deal. It's just my publishing date. No, no worries. So we were out at Denny's and I'm sitting there refreshing my KDP, just watching the numbers go up and up. And I'm like, holy (laughs) shit on the shingle (laughs) people are reading my book like more than my mom who are you people (laughs) to this day I'm still like still standing there like that it's like that meme of Patrick coming back to his rock from Spongebob and all the eyes are under it just who are you people (laughs) Yeah. The thing is, though, I think a lot of times when it comes down to anything that we're doing, people mm-hmm. don't realize that even providing a little bit of a teaser or a snippet, mm-hmm. in this case, you were doing five chapters, which is, you know, still a good number for a tease, can help hook those readers into wanting more. Yeah. And then asking that question, like, okay, when do we get the next chapters and stuff like that? So I think mm-hmm. authors nowadays are learning that that kind of trickle marketing helps. And like being completely unknown, I think it helped realize like people like, oh, let me take a chance before I pre-order or before I read and be like, oh, wait, no, I actually want this. Let me grab it. And before I forget it, you know, like that kind of thing. And then I think I've thrived almost entirely on uh, the pain of my readers and the cliffhangers. (laughs) So (laughs) I keep momentum through the tears. You have a you have a cup that specifically gathers those uh, tears for from your readers. It's a, it's a chalice. Chalice, uh, okay, good. <laughs> I honestly, I made a sticker that I'm going to hand out at the convention. Where it says, "Raise your hand if you've ever been personally victimized by a Thora Woods cliffhanger." <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, so, yeah. like yeah. I'm self-aware. Like I realize I'm an asshole, but I'm self-aware. 
Yeah. Are you at that point now in your writing though, when you're in that scene, when you're going, Oh, here I go again. (laughs) Here's me back on my bullshit. Oh yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm going to make them cry good this time. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's been nice because I actually just finished writing the last book in the series Nice. and I just, I actually sent it to my editor on Friday. So the first draft is done. It's an editing and uh, it's like, it was nice not having to like, I mean, it was a weird kind of stress because I'm like, wait, I can't just leave things open-ended this time. I actually have to write an ending, <laughs> which was a, a bizarre thing to be worried about because it's like, no, I've written endings. They just are abrupt. But no, this one, like, yeah, um, three out of four of my betas have cried reading the end of this book. Oh, wow. Okay. Tears are good. Tears are good. Oh, tears. Yeah. These are good tears too. Good. Like yeah. The, yeah. 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 So when it comes down to cliffhangers, a lot yes. of people are individuals that are like, no, I'm not going to get any of the books until all of them are published and I can read through them because they are ferocious readers and listeners and they mm-hmm. want to listen to it from start to finish. But I've also had a lot of conversations with authors that are like, it's technically an ending, but there's more. So it's technically also a cliffhanger. And then right. you have that dun, dun, dun kind of moments. Um, would yeah. you say your books are more on which side of that argument? Oh, um, <laughs> They're very much in the, uh, I've had people tell me that they had to stop themselves from throwing the Kindle across the room. Um, the, the very much the, I cannot believe you've left us here. I can't believe you've done this mm. uh, kind of thing. And, and I know the people who are like, who read right along and then are some of my most like engaged fans who are just like, I can't, I, I want to see every single thing you're doing, every teaser, every this, cause I can't get enough. But I honestly respect the people who are like, you know, I see this thing. I'm not going to touch it because uh, I don't want to feel all those feelings. Cause like, I've definitely been bo- on both sides of the coin where it's like, all right, I know that this book has huge cliffhangers, but the next one's coming out next month. So I'm going to, I'm just going to wait. Uh, but I've also been in the the seat of reading a book, getting to the end and being like, are you shitting me? I have to wait three months to know how this ends. I am going to riot. <laughs> <laughs> so like, I, I, I completely respect both sides. And that's like, it's, that's one of those things where it's like, I'm not going to die on this hill because that's, that's an individual preference that I can mm-hmm. respect both ways. Yeah. And I think that as long as there is that, I don't want to say almost like a trigger, it's like oh, having that trigger warning, but also having that warning mm-hmm. at, so people know in advance that there is going to be a cliffhanger kind mm-hmm. of prepares the reader. Cause I, there's always that you don't want to spoil anything, but right. at the same time, you, you don't want to have that fan that does not like cliffhangers right doing a major tiktok yeah <laughs> talking smack. and it's actually been like a thing that i've kind of had to navigate in a weird way because i don't know how the rumors started but sometime before the release of lavender and lightning someone somewhere somehow got it out there that my series was a duology <gasps> and it's not it's always been a trilogy in my head. I've just been calling it the series because I don't know if I'm going to, you know, write spinoff uh, like novellas for different side characters that I wouldn't classify as like their own thing. Mm-hmm. So they belong more in that series, but they're not part of the mainline story. You know what I mean? Yeah. 
So I didn't want to like limit myself saying this is the Pax St. Clair trilogy. Like, no, it could be more, it could be less, but the mainline books have always been, there's always been three of them in my head. So, mm-hmm. um, but when the book released, uh, there is a not insignificant number of people in my review saying, I thought this was a duology. I thought we were going to get this wrapped up. I can't believe we left it on a cliffhanger again, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't know how to fix that (laughs) except by like, cause it's like, I can't really tell you now that it's a trilogy because surprise you figured it out. Cause the series didn't end, but like, I, it's one of those things. It's like, I wish I could have gotten out in front of it and like done something more about it. But at the same time, it's like, there are 7 billion people on the earth. I can't go knocking on every door saying, Hey, have you heard this Pax St. Clair series? It's not a duology, but it is in fact a trilogy. Yeah. Well, the the thing is, though, that um, the terms that we use in book world have changed significantly since, you know, just even, you know, five years ago. It used to be that we wanted to know what the genre was and that's it. You know, Mm -hmm. we wanted to know if it was contemporary Roman stuff that we didn't even have Omegaverse five years ago. And fan fiction was for fun you know <laughs> you got yeah. it in there you got a theme okay good can you imagine if this was done the idea of publishing anything that was a fanfic was not mm-hmm. even thought of right and now so series always meant more than one book right Which, you know in a specific world building thing and yeah. now people are busting out with wanting to know more about the tropes which personally i think that's a little bit spoily in yeah. some cases, I would prefer still having the genre. So I know if I'm going to have vampire shifters or, you know, contemporary kind of romances where it's real yeah. world-ish kind of a thing. Yeah, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm i the same way. I, I do want a little bit of qualifiers because it's like, especially like the genre that I write in Omegaverse, there's a mm-hmm. huge difference in the, the tone of a lot of books. It goes from one end of the spectrum, which is like super cute, fluffy, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's hot as hell, but like super cute, fluffy, no like darkness or it just, you know, very, very sweet. And then it goes to the complete other end, which is like dubcon, non-con, super taboo. Like there is a huge like spectrum of like books in just in the Omegaverse genre. So knowing whether this is like a sweet and spicy Omegaverse or a dark Omegaverse or like that, like that kind of thing, it does really help because, you know, dark Omegaverse, like the truly dark, like pitch black Omegaverse, it's like just as a reader, it's not my thing, but I don't mind a little like morally gray Omegaverse. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is, I think Omegaverse has been known primarily more on the dark side. A yeah. lot of readers and listeners don't know that there is a lighter side of Omegaverse. Oh, and, yeah. And there fact, is... why don't you def- why don't you tell us what your definition of them? Because that also things, no matter how where you look at it, what for you was what makes it something Omegaverse? Omegaverse very specifically deals with um it's an alternate universe where people are there and this is where it gets a little kind of gray too because there's this weird venn diagram between shifter and omegaverse Mm -hmm. where sometimes there is shifters in an omegaverse sometimes there's not um but it's generally people have a designation of alpha beta or omega at the very least uh sometimes you see others like delta or gamma but it's abo is the the big three and alphas have knots on the penis 
Um, there's a heat cycle. Sometimes there's a rut cycle for alphas, but omegas go into heat and, you know, there's a mating aspect to it, like a bond mate, pack mate, that kind of thing. And then from there, it branches off into, well, uh, like I know plenty of authors that do sci-fi Omegaverse mm-hmm. where like um, it's aliens have these designations and stuff like that. And then there's dystopian where it's in the future and it was caused by like science gone wrong or something like that. Um, then there's stuff like mine, which is like real world, but like slightly to the left <laughs> where where it's like pretty much everything's the same except what if people had these extra designations and like extra dynamics how would that change the world uh there's historical omegaverse um flora quincy writes i think it's flora quincy oh my god i'm gonna be so mad if it's not flora quincy but she writes regency omegaverse which is super good um my my book wife uh mary bright writes uh, medieval fantasy historical omegaverse and it's like basically any genre could be also a megaverse if it has that alpha beta omega dynamics heat rut cycles um pack dynamics bonding okay yeah i I think that that's where the the conversation has been like what exactly is an omegaverse and how is that not just a pnr with shifters i mean i consider omegaverse to be under the subcategory of PNR. Yeah. Because it, like I says, that that weird Venn diagram of like, mm-hmm. yes, you can absolutely have a shifter Omegaverse, but not all Omegaverse books are shifter books. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because you have the alien aspect of things. Yeah. But that's also where that definition kind of when people listen, that's why I wanted you to talk about it a little bit, was mm-hmm. when people hear Omegaverse, they automatically go to either the alien mm-hmm. and or they'll go into the, and, which is also dark. You know, where yeah. the human's getting kidnapped and they're, you know, forced pregnancies and stuff like that. I mean, don't, don't get me wrong. There, like is, oh, there yeah. are sweet alien omegaverses. Uh, my yeah. friend Vera Valentine, as silly as this is, she wrote a sci-fi omegaverse where um, <laughs> it's called uh, Planet Oster for Fil- Fertility Fusion. Uh, and it was it's part of her whole uh, holiday hedonism series that she writes with J.L. Lagos. Um it's supposed to be like Easter Bunny Omegaverse. It is <laughs> sweet and funny and fluffy and not at all dark, but it's aliens. Good. And it's also Omegaverse. Yeah. Yeah. It just has that concept of people automatically go to the other darker side of things mm-hmm. when it comes on to Omegaverse. And so people mm-hmm. are like, oh, I don't like it because it's like dubious consent. I'm like, but, 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 but wait, <laughs> not oh, all the same. <laughs> <laughs> no. And I think that there's been a huge shift recently. Like yeah. you have your ISO Ellens, your uh, LV Lane, your Addison Kane, who are super dark and that's their thing. And they have huge audiences for a reason. People want that. But then there's been this general shift towards, but what if there was less dubious consent and more fluffy found family vibes? <laughs> And that's where you get people like me. You get people like Catherine Moon, who is like the name in Omegaverse right now. Um, and then there's there's several others. Uh, Hannah Hayes. Uh, like, I literally have a giant list of uh, people in a group chat that are like, all we do is write Omegaverse, but it's like that's that's the genre and I think that that's really cool because like 
the I think what people at least what drew me to Omegaverse was um, the like the deeper connections like you can be in love but then having that deeper connection of like the mating bonds and then like the found like the found family trope is huge in Omegaverse because people form packs and um, I explore that a lot in my my books well what if our families are shitty we don't need them we have our own family Um, and sometimes that's more important and like like all that jazz it's like I feel like that's and it's like I can't even say oh people are drawn to the Omegaverse because of this one thing because it's so broad yeah and I think but I don't think it's talked about often and that's I think that's something too that when I was you know looking through your stuff I'm going okay she writes Omegaverse but this is different (laughs) this is not like what I was originally seeing omega versus be like and no. i've helped with casting with when it comes to the omega verse and 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 people are like recommendations and stuff like that and there's always again the more popular just like i guess when people think pnr they automatically think shifter wolf right right there's a, that concept a contemporary oh, romance me, you know it you took know. me forever like my husband i i love him dearly but it took me writing a book and a half for him to finally stop making wolf jokes about oh the God. omega verse <laughs> He's like, you know, that's not real, right? Like that paper was disproven. I'm like, yes, yes, honey. I know. I know. Can you just please let me write my fluffy fan fiction? (laughs) (laughs) My fluffy, like super cute. I just want like a a family of people. Well, fan fiction is not the right word. Can you just let me write my, like my fluffy porn where everyone loves each other and there's consent. and (laughs) (laughs) And that's like something that like I really wanted was like, because Omegaverse can, because there is a huge conversation about, well, if an Omega is in heat, can she really consent to what's going on? And it's like, um, well, if her partners aren't shitty people, they'll discuss her heat in advance, like you would any like kink scene, for example. But so. That's a yeah. good way of looking at it, though, actually, though. Yeah, I think that there's a huge uh, parallel between like Omegaverse, like there's like in the kink scene where it's, you know, there are open dialogues, conversations. Yeah. Yeah. There's like, Mm -hmm. and I think that I, I like, I wanted to have that conversation about like, well, what if like, like my characters are huge? Uh, Well, specifically, one is the king of consent. And he's just like, no, he won't do anything. Like he would never put his hands on a woman unless she asked for it. And like, he brings that aspect into all elements of his life, kink, polyamory, um, you know, my main female characters, you know, Omega nature, like he just, it, there's a big conversation and a, a really interesting thing to explore with consent. And then, you know, it's like, what happens if you know there isn't consent and then you get these ramifications of like because everyone knows about the well you know an alpha barks at an omega to like make her go into heat and obey him and it's like well what if what if the omega is the one abusing the power dynamic and i'd never seen that before so i had to write it (laughs) wow again very interesting aspect it's almost like you were saying before it's it's 
or part of the whole PNR because I love shifters PNR. And I think that one of the things that I love about it is that family dynamic of choosing your family mm-hmm. and then the protectiveness that they have yes. in. Yes. I know he can be an asshole sometimes, but he's our asshole. And yeah. we, that assholeness only goes so far because otherwise we kick his ass. And, yeah. And, and it's yeah. like found family asshole to everyone, but her touch mm-hmm. her and you die vibes are like my top three like favorite tropes mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I didn't get to explore much of the third one in this series but the first two of where are kind of well not even the second one really like it's mostly the found family where it's like like we will our family is the most important thing and whatever we do has to, like I, I get into discussions of like like one of the characters is the prime alpha of the pack uh, and she is you know assumed this position of authority like she speaks for the pack in legal settings and stuff like that and she's taken this to mean that it's her duty to protect the pack at all costs well what if you know what happens when she makes mistakes and she has to protect the pack from her own mistakes and then but when the consequences eventually catch up to her it's this very much of like you know you have to like you're 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 good people apart but you're even stronger and better together and like exploring that and like like having these characters come to realize that no like you can you don't have to do everything by yourself and don't rely on everyone you have you have these people in your life for a reason and you trust them so let them help you and that's uh, a hard lesson (laughs) yeah i'm still learning it's a hard lesson It is a hard lesson. Oh, especially and, when you've uh, been fucked learned. over several times and you're going, I trusted these people. Why am I going to do this again to myself? And it's like, I no, I hurt can't. my own feelings so much. Oh. I hurt my own feelings. <laughs> and I, I read back to myself and I'm like, man, who the author's an asshole. How, how dare she? Like, oh yeah, that's me. It's me. <laughs> it's me. Am I the drama? No. <laughs> You know, I've had to have some of those prep, you know, pep talks with others, you know, even some clients sometimes are like, okay, you know, you have to have your team and you have to have your group and blah, blah, blah. And these are people that you trust. And, you know, some things are going to, so I give them the whole spiel and everything and I hang up with them and I'm going, well, that hit home. Yeah. yeah. About that. Um. <laughs> mm. <laughs> For sure. Probably why I like the whole concept of, you know, the whole pet family thing. Yes. <laughs> That says a lot. Yeah. Well, well, I'm glad that we were talking about this because again, I think a lot of people have this idea of what that one thing is. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times, even even when it comes down to people that have never read romance, they automatically think Fabio. So it's um, it's good to have that conversation of like where the the differences in definition is, Mm -hmm. but also this huge spectrum of of possibilities. Oh yeah. So that's good. Your covers are lovely. Thank you. Yeah. And, but at the same time I'm going, is she writing contemporary romance? I am. It is actually, (laughs) here's the thing is I consider myself to write contemporary sweet Omegaverse uh, LGBTQ romance because all of my characters are some shade of queer. So like uh, Alexander St. Clair, the prime alpha, she's bisexual, demisexual. Rhett Cooper, one of the other alphas, is bisexual and, you know, introduces our main character to polyamory. All the other boys, I I consider Mateo the only one who's not bisexual. He's pansexual. But yeah, all of them, I I, I use the term queer fuck puddle in my marketing 
Because the answer to the question, who's fucking who, is yes. <laughs> you need to put that on a sticker. Queer oh, I fella. have it on a sticker. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's absolutely like, like that's kind of my brand is, you know, because like I, I didn't see a lot of books with, you know, a, a main female character who has both, you know, a male um, like a male love interest and also a female love interest and reverse harems especially don't have a lot of other females in the in the harem because some people see that as cheating which if everyone's consenting how is cheating but that's my opinion I get it <laughs> yeah but I think also too it's a fantasy of the I am the mm-hmm. one girl and all eyes and attention is on me right. and I think that that's where people that are there the readers focus more on that mm-hmm. and and that's awesome and I think my next project is going to be more of that but it's um like I I because I'll admit I read Catherine Moon's Lola and the Millionaires which is kind of like the gold standard sweet omega verse right now and it featured a female main character who had you know got involved with a pack who had bisexual people in it and I was like this is amazing yeah and like absolutely adored it and then I was like all right give me more I like all of it straight like give it to me all of it but there wasn't any so I was like well shit I guess I gotta write it yeah which is actually how a lot of authors get started so it's not a bad thing (laughs) yeah no and like I know a lot of people say that my first that Lilacs especially has a huge like Lola vibe which you know, I take as a compliment, but, you know, and I've talked to Catherine Moon directly and been like, so I know a lot of people compare our books. So I just want, you to know, I didn't copy you. I was inspired by you. And she's like, that's perfectly fine. And I'm like, okay, cool. Also I'm low key number one Stan. So I hope you're okay with that. She is a sweetheart, though. I absolutely love her. Yeah, that's good. No, I, again, I'm all about exploring different things, the variety mm-hmm. of stuff, and putting, you know, individuals out there in a more realistic format mm-hmm. versus the, and, and again, I, I, I love the many of the authors, but there was a lot of authors that wrote LGBTQ romance, specifically male gay, and it was like, I'm gay for you kind of a thing. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, they were always bisexual. They just didn't know it. You know? Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> And it's like, no, everyone is openly gay. And like one of the main antagonists is the Pax St. Clair's past Omega, who was a a male Omega. And, you know, like they all bonded and they're dealing with the fallout of that. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he was a male Omega bonding with male and female alphas. So it's like, clearly they had sex. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. I'll never get over it. There is one review that said in my first book that the MM is implied. And I have to be like my my brother or sister in Christ. It's literally chapter six. There is a full-on MM scene between two characters, two male <laughs> characters. It's, like it's, it's on the know. page, and there's no there's no implying it was there. No, it's literally there. It's an entire chapter. Mm. dedicated to this spicy scene yeah but here we are (laughs) (laughs) 
gonna get that review framed i swear to god oh yeah <laughs> i mean i love reviews and i love review i'm a reviewer but i'm also the first one that says that reviewers is an opinion and like in all opinions they're like assholes mm-hmm. we all have one and yeah. <laughs> i am very much in the camp of reviewers are not or reviews are not for the author they're for other readers like i will take feedback into consideration if i can see where like I've definitely adjusted some of my like thought process about the story based on review feedback, but if I want feedback, I will ask for it. Yeah. And, and like I said, it's, I don't, I like reading reviews. I think they're really nice They're I've read almost, I mean, it's taboo to say, but I've read almost every review that I've ever gotten good or bad. And yeah, some have made me want to tear my hair out, but at the end of the day, it's like, I've had, you know, college professors look me in the face and tell me that my writing sucked and here's why. And then they like cited their sources. So like, there's nothing these people can say that I haven't already thought to myself. (laughs) Well, I mean, not everybody is going to like everything that you do and that's okay. Yeah. Not every book is for every reader and that is perfectly fine. And if some people, if people like my books, great. If they don't cool, I'm glad you gave them a chance, you know? That's what I love about the romance community as far as in the genre itself. There's something for everybody. People realize mm-hmm. that they, they have a kink because, you know, if they read, oh, yeah. oh, that's what that's what that is. Oh, it's a kink. OK, let me further explore. Um, oh, yeah. No, definitely had that. Like I read Den of Vipers and I'm like, well, I guess I'm into that now. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not going to say what that was. No, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> as listeners are not going, I'm going to pick up Den of Vipers and play the game of which one was it? No, I'm kidding. Uh, no. <laughs> No, I mean, it's just one of those things where it's, it's self-discovering and realizing, I mean, it happened to me too, a book that had nothing to do with anything as far mm-hmm. as a kink goes, but I never, I was never the girl that said, oh, I want to travel to France, for an example. Mm-hmm. That's not my cup of tea for that. I mean, I want food wise, culinary, great, great stuff like that. But mm-hmm. I never, that was not ever on my list until I read that one book. And right. it was the way that the author described the, the, you know, the countries and the cities and the, what was in there that the heroine was looking for that mm-hmm. I'm like, Ooh, perhaps it has been added to my list. So it's, it's yeah. all about little things like that. So, oh yeah, for sure. And there's definitely books where I have gone, huh? Well, didn't realize I was into that, but here we are. <laughs> and, you know, and then there are books where I'm like, aha, mm-hmm. that's what that's called. Yes. I had the same and, moment too. Yeah. And I wanted to make sure that like, when I was writing my book specifically, like I do get into kinky things like, um, you know, Rhett is into, you know, rope and all that kind of stuff. And like, I wanted to be sensitive to the fact that like, you know, he's, he's a soft dom. He really is. Um, and he's gonna do check-ins and like, I didn't want to have the kink in my book be unrealistic in so far as like like how did she get her body that way like that's one thing but like the accurate portrayal of like okay we're negotiating the scene we are negotiating limits this is what you know we need to have informed conversations about traumas that you've had in your past that could impact you know us in the middle of a scene if something happens and like if like something happens where someone gives off bad like body signals or whatever okay we're stopping and we're checking in and 
you know, stuff like that. And I didn't, I, I've, I've worked really hard to make sure that like everything is safe, sane and consensual and that everyone is on board when scenes are happening, even if the scenes are intense. And I wanted to make sure that that's something that like, because there's a lot of times where it, it can get a little off the rails. Yeah. And that's, that's not the vibe I wanted. So I, it definitely took some time and thinking to make sure that I got it right. And in the first book, especially, but it's gotten easier. Mm -hmm. I think that's important. A lot of readers, they'll bust out with sometimes ragging on having to have so many trigger warnings or the opposite. There were none or not enough. And I think that that's where the author really has to sit back and say, okay, I'm going to write this. How am I going to make it where the readers feel safe reading my books? Right. Right. And I think that like, cause I, I have a lot of like, a lot of things happen in my books, like, especially with like, uh, I had to do a lot of thinking with Lavender and Lightning because the climax of the book is very intense. And I wanted to make sure that the people who would be affected by that kind of intensity and the things that I was portraying in there would know that it's coming without spoiling what was going to happen. Now, that being said, I will always put trigger warnings in my books because the people who need them will be grateful for them. And if you don't need them, then they're not for you. Exactly. And it's not up to reviewers or like book talkers or book bookstagrammers. And it's, it's my, my job as the author to make sure that if someone's reading my book, that they know what's going to, what's coming. And if it's going to impact their mental health or well-being, then then maybe they shouldn't read my book. I would rather someone put down my book if it's going to trigger them than get to the point and then have like a panic attack or an anxiety attack because I've, I struggle with those things myself. And I know that sometimes it like, it's, they're not fun. And I don't want to be the cause of someone else's like anxiety or panic or like depression or anything like that. So I'd rather warn my readers up front that this, look, this is what you're signing up for. Like, I can't stop you from reading this book, but I can do my best to make sure that you, like, I can't tell you how to live your life, but if you're going to read my book, this is what you're in for. Exactly. Yep. Yep. That's been a conversation too. And in the book community, as far as who's responsible and it's been tried to be put upon the reviewers where they didn't say it in the review. And I'm like, well, as a reader, I'm going to read the review and then I'm going to go nay or yay as far as the thought process, but I'm always going to go to synopsis. And mm-hmm. that's where I'm going to get my, what the story's about. Now, the thing that gets me is that authors who do write more sensitive, like about more sensitive topics mm-hmm. and include those, like, especially darker romance authors, if they try to put their trigger warnings in, sometimes their books get suppressed by Amazon. Yeah. Which I feel is out of line in a lot yep. of ways. Yep. Because <laughs> it's like, you know, someone could be, you know, putting in a warning for, like <sighs> spousal abuse for example like some of those like domestic violence incident mm-hmm. in the book but it could be written as a flashback or it could be you know very clearly written in a way that condemns the actions of the abuser and but it could still be a triggering scene for someone mm-hmm. so the author puts in a trigger warning but then their book gets you know gets right. the amazon banhammer because they were just try- like you know what i mean like no, it yeah. seems really 
it's there's a lot of the you know a lot of factors that take place into things mm-hmm. but that's also where i always say that you know having the website where you own exactly. how you will write those information and having the, also the readers be responsible as well to do mm-hmm. the research and to try that i mean it doesn't even have to be something as so mm-hmm. dark and stuff i mean even but I'm, one of my triggers is pregnancy losses and miscarriages mm-hmm. because i've had them and so right. not that it's going to be, I'm not going to have a panic attack, but I like to right. know that the, mentally prepare myself that I'm going to go into a potential state of I've been there, done that. Right. Exactly. You know? And that's, and I understand where people want to come in where it's like, they don't want to spoil, like say in the instance of pregnancy and pregnancy loss, they don't want to mm-hmm. spoil that the, the main character gets pregnant by saying that there's a pregnancy loss. And it's like, I get that. But that is a huge thing. It's not like, it's not like uh, we talk about weird deep sea creatures. Like that's some people get really triggered by the discussion of deep sea fish. Like they, they get real freaked out about it. But that's not a thing that a lot of people are going to be thrown into like a panic attack over a lot. Or like if there are people, it's not like a big one. So, but stuff like abuse and pregnancy like there just comes a point where you just have to like as an author you have a responsibility to at least in my opinion I feel like as an author I have a responsibility to make like keep readers safe and make sure that you know we're here for a good time and like if you consent to this then that's that's you you do you and like, I hope you enjoy what you read, but if you don't consent to this, then I want you to know up like ahead of time that that's like, it, it just boggles my mind where it's like, I don't want to put trigger warnings into my books because I don't want to end up in the dungeon or I don't want to spoil my book or I don't think that I should have to. And it's like, are you sure about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Times are changing maybe 50 years ago, <laughs> it's like, but now it's, it's, I know that I feel better about the, the author. And I, and I, and I said it before, it's about making, it's almost like you become the dom of your, of your readers, right? You're yeah. providing that safe environment. You're providing, mm-hmm. you're welcoming us into your house. You're welcoming us into your world. Yes. You're going to make us feel safe. We're going to want to go in there and know that you're going to walk us through it. You're going to tell us what's going on. And we know that the, the scary spooky thing is going to come out of the left yeah. side but we're prepared yeah, we'll for it. There's a thing in kink. Uh, there's a thing in kink called like risk. Aw- it's rack risk aware consensual kink. We can start calling it Ricard, where it's like risk aware consensual reading. Yeah, you know? <laughs> I like it because <laughs> it's like you know what you're getting into, and you still mm-hmm. want to do it. By all means, we're yeah. having a great time over here in this queer fuck puddle. But if yeah. you can't handle any of this, maybe next time, champ. Yeah. Yeah, recommend me to a friend that you know can handle it. Or even like, if you can't handle my books, perfectly fine. Here's another author that you might enjoy just as much, but Mm -hmm. doesn't have any of these tricks, you know? Mm -hmm. That's a thing where fostering that community within mm -hmm. the author itself community and being able to say, yeah, well, if this is not your book, that one over there might be your cup of tea. Oh, yeah. No, like I like you heard me do it earlier like yeah I take pretty much any any opportunity like have you heard about my talented friend? oh no I wrote them down <laughs> <laughs> 
and I will probably email you saying, can I have that list you were talking about? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. There's, I think there's an entire Goodreads list called like Sweet Omegaverse. Oh, see, I'm going to see if I can find yeah, it on the like post. It's, yeah. It's literally like, um, if they're like the big groups that I know of are like Omegaverse Readers United on Facebook. And um, I know that RHAA plus uh, Reverse Harem Addicts Anonymous plus um monsters demons and nodding oh my like if you want to like deep dive into the world of weird and wonderful penises mdk is for you (laughs) (laughs) their whole shtick is is it strange does it have extra features we want it (laughs) yes as she said Uh, (laughs) it works in fact several times in hundreds of comments Ah, my people. I, yeah, you have to recognize. Yeah, but it, it, that's where the community concept comes exactly. in. Exactly. Of where people feel like we become friends, even though mm-hmm. we've never met in real life. Right. Which is also why when we have these conventions, we're like going all squee and hoo and all this fun stuff. And we're like, oh, I'm so excited. Finally. Yeah. This allure will actually be my first ever convention. Nice. We're popping so, your cherry. Yes. I have never been to an author convention or signing or anything. So I'm like, I hope this goes well. Oh, no. Yeah. No. I mean, honestly, a lot of times, you know, when it comes down to the conventions, I will say, because I've been to many. It's about the people that you meet and the fun times. You will always find those moments where the line could have moved smoother here or the announcer could have used a different PA system there. There's going to be, you know, in this case, uh, kinks, but not in the kind that we like. Um, <laughs> especially since oh, this is the first of its kind. There has never been an, a convention that is specifically for the listeners showcasing oh, so audiobooks excited. and narrators. People have realized that narrators and audiobooks are a draw, but there's actually a separate sort of audience for it versus just the eyeball readers. And now these events, I mean, Book Bonanza was a recent one that happened that are going, hmm, perhaps we should be inclusive of author, you know, audiobooks and narrators. And production companies have also been hosting those tables and inviting them and being able to just connect with some of the listeners and stuff that's what it really is about and meeting up with these friends that you've talked about all sorts of things starting first from oh my god that penis that was so big and had the extra things to <laughs> oh my god my husband is oh i do not look good in orange i do not look good in orange i do not look good in orange you know to hey help me meal plan because i'm out of ideas <laughs> yeah like, it runs the gamut you know yeah and honestly like i've met some of my best friends through like author communities like i was invited into a group chat and then it's you know three months later we're here daily zooming like just sitting here staring at each well not even staring but listening to each other breathe while we write and like and it's been a lot of fun and i'm just like i'm so excited to like meet people that i've read their stuff or listened to their stuff and because uh, like I was I'm a huge audiobook fan as well like I I used to work for a grocery delivery company that won't be named um, <laughs> but while I was doing my shopping I couldn't read obviously so I listened to audiobooks and I blew through I, I swear to god I must have listened to like 14 audiobooks in a month it was like, and I was only working three days a week for eight hours. So time flies. Yeah, it does. So I'm like, 
I'm like, who am I gonna recognize here? And like, I'm gonna, I'm the biggest fangirl dork about this whole thing. I just like, oh, look at all these authors. Wait, wait, wait. I'm an author. Hold on. <laughs> See, now you have the, the the added bonus of having to divide yourself into two almost in the sense of you want to be there as, as the author that's signing, but mm-hmm. you also want to be the fan that gets to meet these other authors that you've loved and, you know, adored all yeah, this time. Like, so, yeah. And I can't even like, Hey, my PA, can you like man the table for a minute? I'm going to go say, Oh, wait, people are coming to the table to see me. <laughs> Crap. <laughs> Well, I, there have been moments that happened one time in um, an RT book lovers convention years ago, that mm-hmm. event is no longer occurring, which is sad because it was really good in a lot of different things. Um, mm-hmm. But there was one time where they were in the same line. And one mm-hmm. of my authors was like, Oh my God, that, that's Tiffany Rice. I'm like, yep, that's Tiffany Rice. And she's like, she's like four, four, four or five tables down. I'm like, mm-hmm. She goes, I need to go get her book signed because <laughs> she was a huge fan. And so I'm like, okay, give me a minute. Let me think about this. So I was able to get them to, you know, I hooked them up and stuff mm-hmm. that I did a huge, almost like a Disney moment there where I, I went to her, you know, Tiffany, she, she and I know each other and, and she's just awesome. And I'm like, Hey, she can't really move right now. Um, but when you have a second and you have a little bit of downtime, can you just like go scare her? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love that. Oh my God. She screamed like, oh, like complete fangirl. Like, oh my God. And it was like, and they both loved it so much. So they're, you know, it's those fun little moments where you're going, yeah, you know, authors are fans too. And the narrators too, now that we're going to have that added caveat. Oh my God. I'm going to embarrass myself so much in front of these narrators. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I haven't seen Matt Haynes be announced, but if I ever meet him in person, I'm going to be an embarrassment. (laughs) Well, see, so your book, as of right now that we're talking today, has not been released. And I know that you we, uh, we talked about it. It should be released at the end of July, hopefully very early September, worst case scenario. Uh, so yeah, by the hoping, time. I think mm-hmm. pre-order should go up at the end of July. Uh, so okay. hopefully that means, well, I don't think we're going to do like a huge pre-order time. I'm, I haven't really discussed exactly how long, but I'm hoping hoping that it won't be too long hoping yeah hoping hey, hey it happens it's okay. i want to and the worst part is like i haven't even heard it yet i want to hear it so bad you're, you're gonna listen to it before the rest of us so chill okay uh, <laughs> and like, I oh yeah i get it auditions I get it. and yeah. like oh yeah that was a process yeah what made you decide to have your book in audio? Uh, I mean, you just shared that you are a huge fan, but that's also different too than having to have want your own book in audio. Um, I kind of figured from the beginning, I was like, you know, it would be really cool to like write the books and, you know, if they take off, I, I think it would be kind of cool to have an audio book. Cause like I said, I'm an avid audio book listener myself. So it's like, I, I feel like I'm saying this a lot, but like, this is, I, I did a lot of my like journey as an author started off as like I'm doing this for me and if anyone else wants to enjoy it that's cool I I, happy to have you along for the ride but this is for me and the audiobook is especially like that (laughs) because I actually tried doing it myself before I got in touch with Pink Flamingo and I came to the realization I was like all right I'm gonna do this and it's going to be the most expensive vanity project I have ever done but my god is it gonna be worth it (laughs) So luckily I was pointed to Pink Flamingo uh, and I have loved every moment of the experience. Like the, they've really just taken the reins and taken a lot of the 
pressure off of me to like manage the project which is great because I was also trying to write the last mm-hmm. book in the series and if I had tried to like juggle the audiobook and this thing I don't know if the book would have gotten written so like it's been great honestly working with them and I'm so excited like I just I just wanted this for me <laughs> it's okay I mean again because you're a fan yeah yeah and, and when we know that we then yeah. as the listeners and the readers get even more excited about your your work because there's nothing better than when I have an author that is truly genuine excited about a release or the narrators that are truly genuine yeah, excited and, about a book that they just narrated yeah and I've like I went into the process thinking because like I needed because I knew that if I was going to do this I was going to do it right I wasn't going to compromise I wanted to make sure that I had everything the Good. way that I wanted it and um like Pink Flamingo and Sarah Pocket have been incredible in accommodating that and I was able to find Matt Haynes who knocked it out of four ballparks with his audition because <laughs> like the thing about my characters is that this takes place in the American South. Like it takes place in Georgia. No Southern accents. A little bit, but Rhett Cooper has a soft Irish accent. His Ooh. mother is Irish. She was born in Ireland. Uh, one of the characters is from like where I'm from. So it kind of sounds like how I sound. It's the weird, like pseudo Canadian Western New York accent. And then one of the characters is from the South. So I have three male characters who have three different accents on top of the two different accents of the main, the two main female characters, one of whom is from Louisiana and the other is from Baltimore. So like the accents run the gamut and it's like these, like I could compromise in some places where it's like, okay, if you don't do a deep Southern twang, that's going to be fine. Honestly, it's for the best because then it's like not distracting. And it's understandable because yep. I I have family from the South. Sometimes it's playing a game of, I think this is what you said. So I'm going to assume that. And if, if I'm wrong, you'll correct me. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and sometimes it's playing like who's on first. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's like they say, oh, I want a Scottish accent. I'm like, no, you want a hint no, you- of a hint of no, a Scottish you- accent. <laughs> Oh, but like Matt Haynes's Irish accent Ooh. fucking nailed it. <laughs> and then like when I, I think it was 30 seconds in because I, I picked the, the audition script pretty specifically because I wanted to make sure that I got like the range and it was like 30 seconds into his audition tape. And I like gasped aloud. And my husband was sitting next to me. He's like, are you OK? And I'm like, no, I am not. <laughs> And then when uh, I got Maeve York's take, it was like she pulled Lydia out of my head and then just started talking in her voice. And I and her Alexandra St. Clair is absolutely perfect. And I'm like, okay, so I'm glad that we've got this. Uh, You're going to kill it. See you in a couple months. Uh, I'll cry for like 12 hours once I finally get to hear this thing. But I know it's in good hands and that's the like keeping me going where it's like, Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> well, it is on my, you know, to be listened list. So, you know, mm-hmm. and I think, I, um, how is Matt not going to audio uh, to a lore? Excuse me. I have no idea. Oh, we should. I, he has like, I haven't checked in a minute. So I don't think he's, I, I didn't see him as announced as coming, but like, I get yeah, it. Yeah. A lore is still, I mean, we're still getting, 
from my understanding, there's they're still getting a lot of people signing up. And oh. as the time gets closer, people are listening to about hearing about it more and everything. So who knows? Maybe he'll be a surprise last minute oh, add-on no. just for you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no. I no. I will make like the biggest fool of myself in front of that man. <laughs> it's for the best, honestly. <laughs> I'm still gonna get to shake Maeve York's hand though, and I'm so excited. Yeah, cool. yeah, because she's gonna be there, so that's good. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about that too. I'm it's a great excited. list of authors it, it and really narrators. Is. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think a lot of people have busted out with, "Oh, I haven't heard of them before," or "I haven't listened to them before." And I'm like, "Well, you need to expand your your listening boot." You know, yeah, some, there's a, really more than do. the first four or five people that are popular or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's it's yeah. good to have that diversity in there as far as listening to different yeah. narrators and cleanse the palate and all that fun stuff. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. So you've been writing, doing the audiobook, getting ready for this, uh, you know, Allure event that's coming up in September. Mm-hmm. When you're not working, what do you do for fun? <laughs> uh, I crochet because I'm secretly an 80 year old woman. Okay. Um, <laughs> I Thanks crochet. for trusting us with that. <laughs> Yeah, I hang out with my dogs and my cat. I do play video games with my husband. Just um, a nerd. I play D&D sometimes. Okay. More often than not, though, I'm writing. I'm working on something like, yeah, like even right now, like, yeah, my book's in editing, but my brain's like, Next story. hey, <laughs> I was actually in the middle of writing oh, Laurels and Liquor, the third book, and I had three characters suddenly appear and be like, we need a book now. And I said, yes daddy and now I have to write their book <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna go two ways it always goes in one or two ways as far as that when the character does that he's gonna be like no wait your turn or you perfectly said it yes daddy okay <laughs> well I still had to beat them back with a broom until like I it's like no hold on I can't like because I have the type of brain that it's like if I don't finish a project and like put my entire focus on it then it will never get done. I have about a thousand half-finished crocheted blankets to prove this because I'll find another pattern and be like, oh, that's fun. And then completely abandon the, the first project. And then where I was like, no, I have to focus on Pac St. Clair and giving them their happy ending. And then I can write about this, this group of people who will not leave me alone. And... <laughs> I mean, they are in the book. Like, I did write them as, like, side characters into the last book. So I'm mm-hmm. hoping people will figure out who they are and be like, oh, okay, cool. We want more of that. Yeah, and also you you appease the characters saying, okay, at least, at least you're still thinking about us. Okay, good. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, like, my betas are, like, going absolutely feral. They're like, you're going to start writing that book, right? And I'm like, I got to finish editing first. Yeah. yeah. I love it. You know, the, the whole, the, the desire of wanting more, but I also have to remind sometimes like, you know, listeners and readers, I'm like, they're mm-hmm. people too. The authors are people too. You know, yeah. they, they need time to write. They need a break. Don't let, yeah. that's not I mean, like, them. <laughs> like my next big thing is um, I'm going to be doing a box set of the three books together after after I put everything to, like after the third one's released I'm going to be putting together some exclusive content and packaging it together as a the box set for that and uh so I have to write that stuff yeah. first but it's good because now I'm still kind of like in the headspace of you know Pac St. Clair and I can write about them and you know because and of course my brain is like you know because I I have plans for an extended epilogue and um 
my brain's like, oh man, I wish I could write extended epilogues for all the other books. My and I voice that comment a lot of my husband's like, you did. It's called the next book. <laughs> <laughs> like you write, you write. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, that's what that was. Oh, okay. <laughs> I can always count on him to keep me humble. <laughs> but you know how things really okay, got it. Thanks, honey. Yeah. I appreciate you. Oh yeah. <laughs> been like I, I we were having a, a discussion the other day and he's like because I was talking about how I was helping my one author friend like Alpha reading her work while I've got some downtime and I was like yeah this is kind of a different thing from her uh, regular stuff it's um, for the records MF Moody and um, her normal shtick is her altered shifters universe and she's been working on another project which she's super excited about but it's contemporary romance mm-hmm. um but altered is altered part one and two is incredible on its own. So I was trying to explain how like there's all these different like types of shifters and all this and like how shifters work. And he's like, so do they like do it as animals? <laughs> and I'm like, I mean, in her book, no. Some books, yes. And like, well, what if one person's human? And I was like, I'm gonna stop you right there. <laughs> <laughs> ah, yep. <laughs> That's that's a question. That's definitely a question that has oh, come he's up. He's also uh, been on me about writing centaurs because he refuses to stop asking me questions about centaurs. Um, <laughs> his go-to questions when he really wants to push my buttons are: if a centaur has a heart attack, where would you put the AED paddles? <laughs> is your husband going with you to a lore? <laughs> Oh, he is. Oh, okay, <laughs> he is. He's gonna be there. I'm. Uh, it's he's incredible and i love I the love sense of humor death. i love that he thinks like that yeah um, <laughs> annoying to you at times i'm sure but oh, he's honestly like for for every single one of his like his like jokes or whatever he has helped me so much i i, I think i i credit him as i think i credit him as theodore woods violence consultant mm. <laughs> because he's a huge like wrestling wwe fan and he really gets the the narrative storytelling of like fighting and like 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 and violence mm-hmm. so i have written a few you know fight scenes and being able to talk those out with him and like make them as dramatic as necessary, but also like, okay, so if, if a guy gets thrown into a table, he's not just going to get stand up. Like, that's not how that works. <laughs> <laughs> and like, he does help me a lot. And like, we've, most of my story ideas get bounced off him first. And then he look, he'll, <laughs> he does this thing and I love him for it because he really makes me, think about things he'll start poking holes in it and start asking questions like well what what about this and why are they doing that why wouldn't they just do that and it's like oh I love you I really do but I wish you wouldn't be so difficult but don't stop because I need to answer these questions (laughs) but funny enough though or not funny in the sense depending on how you look at it there have been times where the stories have kind of been like, uh, because those questions were not asked at the beginning and yeah. they didn't stop to think about, well, why didn't they just talk it out? Why didn't they do this? Mm-hmm. And so good on hubby there. Yeah. Honestly, <laughs> he's great. He, uh, like he and I, he got me into Dungeons and Dragons and Ooh. he is, uh, a very good storyteller because mm-hmm. of that. 
and if there's a plot, he can break it. And <laughs> which is great because then I have to make sure that my plots are unbreakable. Right. And Makes for a good story. <laughs> yeah. And I can't just like do things like, you know, it's like, you know, why, <clears throat> why wouldn't your character get like, go, like go unconscious here? And I'm like, because the plot needs them to be awake. God damn it. Now I got to fix it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but again, spot on those are things mm-hmm. that list you know re- readers and listeners yeah um, but sometimes maybe a, a reader might be able to shrug it off a little bit but I, yeah. I've noticed that too when it comes into audiobooks it's almost you're watching a movie in your earbuds mm-hmm. and so there's some things that cannot be yeah not asked and you're going wait what yeah <laughs> so I'll, although he does reach the end of the tracks when I start getting into the specifics of like all right, and now this is their bond, and this, like, especially with the megaverse, like, and this is how they do this, and with this, and this, and he's like, that's not how biology works, and I'm like, you're correct. This is a megaverse woo woo shit. So <laughs> suspend your disbelief, Sherlock yep. Holmes. <laughs> <laughs> he who plays D and D. Come on, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the man who, in one game, uh, the dungeon master decided that they could have the world's best dune buggy and it's the ontologically perfect dune buggy if it can be done this dune buggy could do it because it if it can't do it then there would be a better dune buggy therefore their dune buggy is not the best dune buggy (laughs) so i'll follow that (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah he was he he's he has a bachelor's in philosophy he uh i love him but he tests me every day which is why you probably guys work out so well together also he has some bang in health insurance <laughs> oh this is gonna be fun when we meet up in the lore i know i'm this is He's going to be great. He's an extrovert too, which is oh, yeah. going to thrive. He's going to, he's going to be living his best life. Nice. I also love seeing that supportive husband being there mm-hmm. for the wife thing, which I guess goes back to why we love romance. Mm-hmm. I think it's seeing the dynamic. So when I go to events and I see the husband completely making it about her. Yeah. And like, he's, he's absolutely great. Like he really let me take a chance because like when I started writing, it was like, I was like, all right, I'm, I want to take my, my Rona stimulus money and put it into editing and, you know, doing that. And he's like, you know, we really have this. And I'm like, I know, but it's not like critical. And I, I really want to try this. And he's like, all right. <laughs> and he, he was definitely one that was skeptical until it started working out. And he's been like, he proudly tells people that he is my trophy husband. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, whatever floats your boat, honey. Yeah. yeah. Has he busted out with that? Uh, yeah, you know that scene? Yeah, I inspired that. Or not yet? No, not yet. <laughs> oh, okay, good. <laughs> no, no, not yet. <laughs> So it's like a running joke with the authors that have husbands are like, yeah, honey. Yeah. You, yes, you are the hero. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> well, you working with words all day long. Mm-hmm. What is your favorite word? Not separate from a favorite curse word. That's the second part of this question. Um, favorite word would probably have to be 
Defenestration. Come again? <laughs> Defenestrate or defenestration. It's the it's a the singular word to describe the act of throwing someone out of a window. Oh my god. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely absolutely just like oh there's a word for that Uh, yeah perfect love it okay so Um, your favorite curse word (laughs) um it's a string of curse words and Um. usually I will if I'm typing it out there's no spaces so it's one word it's a fuck shit titty bitches okay (laughs) and I usually only brush that out when I'm really frustrated or like you know like I'll write something and I'll be possessed by the spirit of a higher deviant. And then when I come back into myself, I'm like, fuck shit, titty bitches. What did I just write? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Do you have that as a sticker too? Because it should be. I wish. You know what? I might have to make that now. Yeah, you might. Mm -hmm. Just for Mm -hmm. us to put it on there when we're having that sort of moment. We're like, got it. So one of the things I love doing with our guests is having a game where Mm -hmm. you tell us three things about yourself of which two are truth and one is a lie. And we, Mm -hmm. and I love to say we, because I love to think that the author and the the audience is playing along with me versus just me Mm -hmm. alone. So why don't you tell us three things about yourselves and then we'll try to figure out which one's the lie. Okay. So my two truths and a lie are Mm -hmm. one. I technically got married twice. Two, I've never been on a major trip by myself, which I consider a major trip to be anything that's over an eight-hour car drive or I have to get on a plane or any kind of major transportation. And three, uh, like my main character, Lydia, I too will vomit if I see someone else's saliva. (laughs) Hmm. Well, they do say that many times authors write some of themselves into stories. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I'm thinking, hmm, is the lie the never been on a major trip by yourself? It is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, I have been on a major trip. Uh, when I was in college, mm-hmm. I did a 24 hour bus trip to New York City. I live in like Western New York, so it's like eight hours away. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was on a bus at 9 a.m. in Buffalo in New York City, uh, going to the event, navigating the subway system, getting back on a bus at like midnight at the sketchiest mm. bus stop I have ever seen in my entire life. And then I was back in Buffalo at 9 a.m. the next morning. And I did that all by myself. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That was it was intense. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm <sighs> I, I'm going to have to do it a couple more times too. Cause like uh, allure is in September, but I'm also going to the 20 books Vegas show in November. Okay. And I will be flying for the first time by myself. Oh yeah. So that'll be fun. I've been to Vegas before, but mm-hmm. my, it was my husband and me and, um, but I've never been by myself. So. I will tell you um, never, had done it like I've always been the one that always with someone being from a Latin background you don't do anything by yourself and <laughs> the first time I ever went anywhere to, by myself was in Chicago at one of those RT book lovers convention but mm-hmm. I met my best friend at the airport and so the two of us were then from there on together 
-hmm. I did not realize how much I was taking with me until I got to Vegas for the RT in Vegas. And I realized, Mm -hmm. and I didn't have anybody meeting me there. (laughs) So I know I'm like too much luggage. I haven't gotten confirmed for a signing table yet. So I might Mm -hmm. just be there as an attendee, which honestly for an event, like 20 books, I'm perfectly fine with. Um, But if I do end up with a table, I'm like, I'm just going to ship stuff to the hotel. Yeah. I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and fit this in like baggage or like, God forbid, I have to like put it into an Uber at the airport, like, and then get it up to my, like, it's just a thing that I am cannot deal with. So I'm just, I'm not doing it. (laughs) Yeah. For the Vegas trip. I I think it was, we were bust from the airport to the um, resorts, which was fine. Up until I get to the resort, I think that's where I had the major eye opening. I'm used to having the the bells right. help with the no, the where they dropped us off versus where everything was. We had to literally mm-hmm. walk to get the the, the carts and mm-hmm. we were all by ourselves. We did not have enough people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going never again, never again, <laughs> never again. Yep. Mm-hmm. I will be shipping things from now on <laughs> <laughs> or having other people come with me. Um <laughs> And I'm done. (laughs) Yeah. Like I'm going to be, I'm going to be at Vegas with my PA and another one of her authors uh, and that author's three month old baby. But (gasps) I'm so excited. They're so cute at that age. They are. But wow. For an event, that's just a lot for them. Well, apparently she took her like one month old son to New Orleans at one point. I'm like, all right. All right. You you can do it. If you can do it, then you know what? More power to you, mama. Yep. Yeah. It's a, yeah, I, I know someone that has, you know, at that age, they're so adorable and they, they do it on purpose because they make you want to have one, but then at mine, I, no, but then hold here, here's my, here's my, my uh, antidote for that. <laughs> my 19 year old. <laughs> ah. who oh, see, well, all it takes is like three seconds of the ear piercing scream. And I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. yes, there's my birth. Control. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. Or mine was at that age too, was like when you, you've done everything to get them to stop and they still haven't, and you're going, I don't know what to do anymore. <laughs> and it's that piercing, yelling and crying. And I'm going, I'm done. I'm, I'm going to be the, um, the quirky uh, globe trotting aunt who yep. gets wine drunk at all the family events. <laughs> Or takes the kids off of the parents' hands and feeds them cookies and ice creams and then returns them. Yes. yes. Insert sugar, shake mm-hmm. gently, return. <laughs> yeah. No, but that was uh, that was a good one. Um, you may have to tell us the next time you come back about that uh, whole married, technically being married twice. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's actually kind of a short story. It's, oh, okay, um, yeah. Uh, technically, I got married twice, but only one of them was legally binding. Because uh, my f- I have a huge family, but my husband doesn't. So when we got married for the first time, we decided that it was basically an elopement. It was literally our wedding party, two friends, the photographer and, and the, uh, the officiant, and that's it. And that was our official wedding. Mm-hmm. And then a year later, we had the whole family like shindig thing and the huge reception. Um, and we did... <laughs> my husband keeps saying we LARPed a wedding and I'm like no no we had a vow renewal you can't just call it a LARP <laughs> oh my so, goodness. so technically I I got married twice but only okay. one of them was legally binding okay <laughs> <laughs> 
that's so cute. Um, I know that we've talked a little bit about what you're coming up, but why don't you tell us uh, what if you're what you're currently working on, and then what you do have coming up for sure that's up next that you're okay able to so, share. So big things um, is the audiobook pre-order should be going up at the end of this month, end of July. Um, my I'm getting ready to do an official cover reveal and release date announcement for Laurels and Liquor, the third uh, Pax St. Clair book. Um, I'll be at Allure in September, Vegas in November. Um, somewhere in there is going to be a release. <laughs> I'm not going to say when, but it's going to be between September and November. <laughs> um, and I'm currently working on edits and writing exclusive content for the box set, which is probably going to come out in Q1 of uh, 2023. Fantastic. You're busy. Yeah. And <laughs> I've just signed up. Uh, I put in my interest for uh, a convention in Connecticut. I've signed up for, I'm definitely going to the UK, not as an, like a signing author, but like to support some of my friends at uh, authors at the armories in Leeds in June. I'm going to be doing Getting Witchy With It in Salem, for sure, and uh, Committed at the Stanley Hotel next year as well. I love that title, Getting Witchy With It. (laughs) I love that. I've I've signed up for, I think I'm only attending as like an attendee Mm -hmm. uh, this year, but I am going to be signing in 2024. Nice. So who, and sometime next year, however long it takes me to write this book, I will be putting out my next, the first book in my next project. Fantastic. And of course, sprinkled in between all that busyness will be the audiobook for the next book in the series. That's going to be right. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, they, as far as I know, I have given them the manuscript. Ooh, as far as I know, one. it's in production. So who knows when that'll come out? <laughs> Perfect. Yay. So we also have even more and more goodies to look forward to. Yes. And then once uh, Laurels and Liquor is edited, they get that too. And then the whole series will be out in audiobook. Fantastic. Now I'm awesome. excited. Yeah, no, it's I'm excited for you. Well, thank you so much, Laura, for taking the time to hang out with me today. It's been such a pleasure getting to know you. You're very welcome. This is a lot of fun. We definitely have to do this again. Yes, definitely. We'll be doing some little chatting here and there online um, and, uh, you know, um, on Facebook, stuff like that, one of the oh, allure. Sure. So, but yes, definitely. Um, yeah. I always tell people once you're in your family and so you're kind of stuck with me. All right. Well, <laughs> Uno reverse card. No, you're yeah. stuck with me. Oh, <laughs> I love that. That's fantastic. Um, We're going to be um, sharing all of her social media links. So if you're not following her, make sure that you do as well as newsletter stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, and you can find all the links on the episodes over um, post over at Vivian and Chantress of Books. And until next time, happy listenings. Thank you again. Bye. Thank you to all of our audiobook loving podcast, Patreon. Special thanks to Nixley Zenner. Carol Liebner, Brittany Robinette Leiter, Don Darch, Michelle Bastard. The Audiobook Loving Podcast has special Patreon access levels. Join today to receive benefits including early access to episodes, shoutouts, special exclusive content, and much more. Support the podcast by becoming a Patreon at www.patreon.com forward slash audiobook loving. We thank you for your support.
Thank you for joining us on the Audiobook Lovin' Podcast, hosted by Viviana, Enchantress of Books. For links and more information discussed in today's episode, previous podcasts, or the Audiobook Lovin' series, please visit our website, vivianaenchantressofbooks.com. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a positive review wherever you listen to our podcast. Until next time, happy listening.